Hang on a sec. Just recording a podcast. It's called the Boost Monitors Podcast. Give me a sec. The Boost Monitors Podcast. I was just wrong time, wrong place, coming out of a shop, walked down the road. I got run over, jumped, and stabbed in the back of my head. The last thing I heard was, stab him, stab him, they stabbed my mum. And the hardest thing I've ever had to do was forgive the people that tried to kill me. And even now that I learned how to do that, when things have happened now, it's easier for me to just let it go and keep it moving and take the lesson from it. This is the Booth Manners Podcast with me, your host, Ger Banyan. The voice you just heard in the intro there was my guest on this episode. He's the London-based DJ and producer, Belinky. Before we get into it, just a reminder to hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss another episode. And get me on socials, at Booth Monitors Podcast on Insta and Facebook. You can also hit me up personally, at gmanion underscore on Insta and TikTok. So over the next hour or so, you'll hear the fascinating story of my guest, Blinky. From his experiences growing up of racism and gang violence, his work with In-House Records, a record label for artists in prison, and to now, his own music career, having recently signed with Warner Music. I spoke to him over video chat from his studio, and if you haven't heard of him before, this is his latest track, What You Want. Looks like uh, looks like a nice setup you've got there in in the studio. Yeah, it's just a little nice home setup, so I can get some work, man. It's been a while since I've had a setup, so because I got this house last year, and I've just been renovating and stuff. Like that. And I literally my front room, I cut my front room in half, <laughs> and I built a room in a room, so I'm able to just yeah, because I I like working from home, man. It's just easier and more comfortable. Whereabouts are you? Uh, South East London, do you know, uh, Greenwich, Woolwich. Okay, and is that where you're from? Yeah, yeah, that's where, I've, yeah, that's where I'm from, that's where I grew up. I was born in Botswana, but my family's from Zimbabwe, and then come over here when I was like seven, eight. First place we come was here, Plumstead. You, you must still have a pretty good memory of, of coming over, right? Oh, yeah, 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 100%. What was it like? Uh, do you know what? Because my, cause, cause my dad was... Like he was in the army and he used to work. Uh, he was like a CIO, so he used to work with Robert Mugabe and Thabo Mbeki, the vice president for South Africa, isn't it? Wow! How did he end up doing that? Uh, he fought in the. Do you know the Rhodesia War? He fought in that war. Obviously, they won, and then after that, I think he become. Yeah, from the army, he joined the. Was it central? Is it central information officer or whatever? It's like MI five kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, from the army, he went straight into that. And then what brought what brought you to the UK then? Well, my dad passed away, and then my mom was oh, kind of like, uh, sorry to hear that. 
Nah, it's all good, man. <laughs> um, yeah, and then my mom was kind of, I think, because I asked my mom, how did we end up here? She's like, ah, oh, it was between Switzerland and here. And I was like, huh? Switzerland? Why Switzerland? She's like, oh, your dad always wanted to go there. But then I think one of my mom's friends was like, ah, oh, uh, UK, London's got a lot of good opportunities. And because I was a single parent, and she's like, ah, oh, if there's good opportunities, might as well take my kids over there. And I think she made the best move, to be honest. <laughs> I always say it's uh, you do you done you done you made the right move still. Yeah, yeah. What kind of what kind of upbringing did you have? Uh, so, so from from baby to seven, it was very much like private schools from from yeah pri- private schools and stuff like that. And then when I got here, it was just London life, innit? Like London life. Uh, just running about with all the kids and whatnot. Sometimes getting into a little bit of trouble and stuff like that. But the mad thing is that since I was young, <laughs> what was crazy, this area is just about music. My primary school, I don't know if... See, when you was in primary school, did you lot sing in assembly all the time? Yeah, and play instruments and stuff like that. Yeah, so my primary school was like, everything was just singing, 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 singing. Uh, yeah, and instruments and show and doing like talent contests and stuff with like against other schools. And then when when I come out of that, when I come out of school, everyone in my area makes music. Like you walk down the road, someone plays an instrument. You walk down the road, someone sings, someone raps, or someone MCs or whatever. So it's like I was just it was just heavily my area is just heavily influenced with music. What kind of music? Everything. Like literally growing up. Growing up in well, my old house when I was younger, I was lived two roads from Tiny Temple. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like so, old like you know about New Brand Flex. They were like a gram gram crew back in the day okay. or whatever. So like all tiny. There was a lot of people um that are doing their thing now that are from my area. There's a lot of a lot of artists and musicians up and coming and yeah obviously when you moved over you kind of referred to it as the the london life and running around with the kids like what what do you mean by that does that mean getting into trouble uh here and there now and then uh just running not even running with the wrong crowd it's just london for not even just for boys but london's very there's a lot of gangs and stuff like that especially when i was growing up you had to be very careful and very aware of what's going on but the good thing i had older brothers and cousins and stuff like that that before me they had seen everything so it was a bit it was a bit it's a bit much growing up because secondary school i went to a school in eltham and eltham and at the time when i was growing up it was very like a racist kind of area kind of thing so starting school starting first day of school i got chased I got chased by like some racist guys and stuff like that. So that yeah. So imagine going to school, you have to be aware and watch out for racist people. Coming from school, you have to be aware of the other little gangs and stuff like that. So it's like always like you always had to be always looking over your shoulder and stuff like that. It wasn't a surprise because my older brother went to that school and he started that school when we come over and he had to face a lot of he was always fighting because there was a lot of like a racist pe like racist people in the school and then just him being like a like a fresh from africa and stuff like he had a strong accent and stuff like that so people always used to try to bully him and stuff like that when it come time for me to go to school he had already like 
he had warned me like I'll just be careful but by the time I started it had started changing like there was more um, maybe like more ethnic people involved in school whereas the school before when my brother was going it was like very rare to see black people there how do you get by in a situation like that like you say like that's from to be at such a young age and and sort of get that hatred essentially to to you like what what measures do you take to sort of just get by uh to be honest to be honest i feel like because my year when i started my year had the most like black and ethnic people we kind of stuck to stuck together so that's kind of how we got over and then on top of that i'm blessed to have like my older brothers and cousins and stuff like that so they'll especially like the first couple months of school they'll always make sure they'll come and pick me up make sure i'm fine and stuff like that so it was it was, it was bad but at the same time i'm blessed to have the people around me so i was kind of protected in a way and, when, and obviously when you moved over you were you said you were seven or eight so and you went you went from you know like private schools and, and that kind of thing and then you came over here when you were that aged was it was that a noticeable difference to you that that sort of change do you know what do you know what i don't think it was anything to do with like uh, the private school or not being in a private school it was more i think the change was maybe like culture wise coming over here and there was it's just different and then on top of that i think i didn't notice the whole um private school thing because of we literally just come from my dad passing away the change for me was my dad passing away because when he was he was around i was kind of like well off and then coming here it's like we started at the bottom basically and had to work our way up kind of thing so that was the difference. Yeah, that was the difference. Having to come here, me, my mom, me, my mom, my three, my two brothers, my cousin, my aunt, her husband, and my little cousin all living in a one bedroom flat. Wow. From having acres of land <laughs> and big houses and private schools and all this stuff coming back to like, oh shit, okay, we gotta live like this. But one thing I realized great like now that I'm older, I've always, I think because of always moving about, I learned how to adapt to situations. So as a kid, I think my mom done a really good job of like shielding us and making sure that we had everything we needed so we don't feel the change that much. So I never really, so I don't think I really noticed it that as a kid, you're just a kid, isn't it? Yeah. How do you not get sucked into sort of gang culture? When it surrounds you like that, mm how do you not get sucked into it mm, it's difficult i think the the way i didn't get sucked into it was having older brothers that have kind of seen that life and it's learning from them and them teaching me like yo nah this and if you get involved in this stuff this is what happens and <clears throat> then on top of that is the people you surround yourself with i was lucky to have people that had like a similar mentality and were in had similar interests like we all love music and we all love like dancing anything creative anything like entertainment and stuff like that which was good and that was i think i think that was a really big thing for me not being able to not not being dragged into the gang culture and stuff like that you know i'm lucky enough that i came from an upbringing a background where that was something i never had to contend with right but when i 
I look back to when I was that age and how all I wanted to do was fit in and make friends and be accepted by my peers. And and I look I look back at myself at that point and I don't think I would have been strong enough to make the right decisions. Yeah, yeah. Another thing is having I think with all of my brothers, we had to grow up at a very young age. And the focus, you know, like with like with, as a kid and stuff like that, the focus is just having fun and being a kid and stuff like that. But with us, it was <laughs> it was a bit different. It's like I literally raised my younger brother, who's my manager now. <laughs> yeah, I I, ra- I I had to I, I I literally raised him alongside with like my friends and obviously my brother and his friends and stuff like that. And then with my with my older brother, he raised me kind of thing. So we kind of had to grow up. My mum was never about because she was always working. So I think our mentality was very different and our focus. And it's like my mum, the main thing my mum always used to say, you know, do what you want to do. Have fun. Go out. But just don't get in trouble. Don't get arrested. This, that, this, that. And because of the respect we had for our mum, it was like any time, anything. And obviously we knew right from wrong. I definitely knew I'm right for wrong. I was all, I've always been aware of certain things, even from a kid. So I anything that was like, whoa, nah, 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 that's not my, I would just be like, nah. Even if I had uh, my friends got involved and stuff, sometimes I'll just be like, nah, nah, that's not, that's not my thing. And that's not my thing. So I think I'm just lucky to have one, like my mom and then brothers and my brother's friends that really looked, looked, looked out for me and, my young brother just to keep us on the right path kind of thing where a lot of people like a lot of people like you said what happens they get dragged in because they want to fit in it's then sometimes it's like the cool thing to be in a gang and stuff like that but yeah because it is it is a maturity thing and and like you said it's you know you said you had to grow up quickly quickly and that that probably puts it perfectly because at that age you have to be mature enough to say okay i know that's wrong but everybody else is still doing it and I still, I know not to go there. And even when that means maybe even pulling yourself away from it, you know, and and not having certain friends and not fitting in in social circles and giving that up in order to sort of, uh, like you you say, keep on the straight and narrow. Yeah, I don't know. I I think back and I, and I, it's just just stupid stuff to do as a kid. And like, just thankfully never had, never had to, to deal with decisions that were that big because I, you know, I couldn't, couldn't trust my 10, 14, 15, 16 year old self, do you know? I hear you. Yeah, man. Now London life, it's a, it's a difficult one, man. Sometimes it's difficult and it's hard to escape because even with me, I've had situations where, yeah, wrong time, wrong place. And I've ended up in situations where like I've literally almost lost my life i was just wrong time wrong place coming out of a shop walked down the road i got run over jumped and stabbed in the back of my head <laughs> and when i mean like jumped like a sea of people running at me and then when they realized literally i ran into like a car wash thing and the person in the car wash was the person that saved me i don't i don't remember what happened i woke up in the hospital and then like um, the police and stuff were telling, like asking me, "Do you remember what happened?" I was like, "Last thing I remember is just getting kicked up." Last thing, I, last thing I heard was stab him, stab him. They stabbed my mum. And then next thing, I went like that. It was just blood. Woke up, woke up in the ambulance. I think I passed out. Then I woke up in the hospital. Like, what the hell happened? Kind of thing. And then I, when I went back to the car wash, the guy at the car wash told me the whole story. He's like, "I saw you." 
uh, he was getting jumped, he was limping. The next thing oh, he said, he saw the guy stab me, then he had to run in because he was like, ah, oh, obviously I'm on my own. Why, why did that happen? Basically, the story was, obviously there's a gang, there was a gang like in the area, and then there's like two rival gangs, and one of the gangs stabbed the other gang's, one of the guys from the other gang's mom. Like they actually knocked on the door, the mom answered the door and then they stabbed, they stabbed them. And then obviously the other gang was trying to retaliate. So they were just patrolling around the area and they saw me. And if you see someone around the area, they just probably assumed that I was involved with the, uh, the other gang. And it's just one of them things. The, the craziest thing about the situation is that I knew that like I'm like, I've always been just like a, like a popular person around my area because of like music. I've always been making music. But by the time the people that knew me come, because there was loads of them, by the time the people that knew me come, it was like, oh, it was too late. It was kind of like, oh shit, you lot, you know, we know this guy and you love hurt him kind of thing. So it was one of, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just one of them things. And I feel like things like that happen a lot. You got stabbed in the back of your head. So how severe was that injury and how severe were your injuries? I don't know, cause I so uh, I had like stitching like down the back of my head kind of thing. Now the scar is small; it just looks like I'm losing hair kind of thing at the back of my head. <laughs> but at the time, it was it was it was I would just say it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was just like an open cut kind of thing, isn't it? It's just like an open cut. I think the worst bit was getting hit by the car and then just getting jumped just like the next day more. It was just the, the, the pain of just recovering from that. Like my whole body was aching. Like I had to, well, for a couple of months, just my head was just everything, headaches every day and stuff like that. But How long did it take? No, nah, not long. I think within a month or two, I was fine. Like my face and stuff like that was fine. But my leg is the only thing now and then like I have uh, uh, pains and stuff, but it's yeah, it's not like crazy. How do you how do you get over something like that? Like once you sort of got back to full health, and you were still living in the same place, you're still go- probably going to the same shop you came out of. Did it never follow follow you? Oh, the fear. A hundred percent. It's not. But it wasn't at first. It wasn't fear. It was rage. Like for uh, I don't even know. I wouldn't. I don't. I could say probably like two, two to three months. He was just like angry. I was so angry and upset at the same time that I was just like, no, nah, please, I just want to be left alone. And then for the longest time, it was just I was just angry. I I like telling this story because sometimes you know people be like, ah, oh, um, kids in London carrying knives and this that this that. And sometimes people never un- understand that sometimes these kids are doing this to protect themselves. Cause it's dangerous. You have to. It's, it's actually dead. There's certain areas where you have to be. As much as like I don't like that stuff, and I don't think it's right. And there's certain areas. It's just survival mode, isn't it? And some of these kids they carry knives for protection. I think it got to a point where I realized, yo, this ain't. This ain't how I'm meant to live. This, I can't be living like this. It's not good. Even having things like that around you, you just attract more trouble. So in the end, it was a thing of like, I got so tired of being angry that this this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. I forgave the guy. Like literally. Do you know, who, do you know who it was? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know the person that actually, he could have stopped everything, but he carried on going. 
and then whatever happened. I, 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 like the 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 hardest thing I've ever had to do is forgive the people. I've seen all the people. I've spoke to most of them, especially the older ones. And the hardest thing I've ever had to do was forgive the people that tried to kill me. But at the same time, it was very, it was freeing. And even now that I learned how to do that, when things have happened now, it's easier for me to just let it go and keep it moving and take the lesson from it kind of thing. It makes me wonder, did, did you ever think that you just wanted to get out and move away and go somewhere else? How can you? But my mom can't afford to move away. So I have to stay where I am. This is what I'm talking about with other kids. They live in an estate. Their mom can't afford to move away. They can't afford to move away. So the only thing left to do is just embrace what's going on and just learn. Either learn how to be careful and how to move or get dragged in. Like you were saying, you end up getting dragged in into a gang because you want to be protected. You want to feel safe and stuff like that. And that's what usually happens. But I feel like a lot of people don't take time to actually figure out how that works or even talk to these kids. It's mad, man. It's just so, it's so powerful to hear that. And like, like you say, I, I can't even imagine to go through all that, um, the physical and mental pain that something like that could cause. And then like you say, to, when you know the person who did it to you, for you to sort of sit there and forgive him. I mean that's crazy it was a journey it was a journey but it was difficult it was a journey but now that it's done I, it's better that I've done that than went any other way like even just trying to retaliate or whatever because you don't know what could have happened and, and and have you when, when you say you forgave him is was that just sort of you came to terms with that in your own head that you'd forgiven him or have you have you met him I met him so how I, I don't know if you're religious or spiritual in any way but how things work sometimes is that okay i sat there and i was like ah oh, accept it i'm gonna accept this that's all i can do because if i don't accept it it's all it's just gonna get heavier and heavier and it was destroying me more than anyone he don't care he don't know how i'm feeling like this he's getting on with his life so why am i here just oh, stressing about this so the best thing to do is just accept it and keep it moving and then once once i've done that it was just it's a thing of like the universe you would do that and accept it but the universe will be like okay oh you forgiving him yeah let's see i bumped into him at the petrol station late night i got everyone with me like we got four three four cars up this is years later this is years later four three cars up everyone's like oh and that uh, whatever and i was like no no it's cool i went up to him had a conversation with him he was looking at me like what the hell's going on right now after that i saw him a couple of times though it's just like oh you know what just talking to him i didn't even mention the thing it was just like oh, how are you doing how's life blah 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 pay for my petrol and i kept it moving that is crazy i always say to people with the universe or god or whatever when you ask for something he'll give it to you but then you'll be like okay you now you got it like, you sure this is what you really want or sometimes people might have a idea or something like especially like forgiveness oh yeah, yeah I, for, I, I forgave this person but then the universe or god or whatever will do something to test you to see if you actually mean what you say did nothing ever happen did they get um did anyone get charged over that oh no i didn't press no charges or anything because to be honest, where I come from, these things, it's sad to say, but these things are kind of normal. It's very sad to say, but 
It's not a see. See if I tell someone my story. It's not a, like someone from my area my story. They'll be like, "Oh no, that's bad," but it's not like surprising. It's not like, "Oh my god, oh what happened to you?" It's only people that haven't really lived that life or seen or been through things like that that are proper like blown away. Like, "Ah oh, man, that's a bad thing." Like, how are you coping with that? But normal like people from my area, it's, it's almost it's weird. It's almost norm, not normalized, but like for the kids that grow up around there it's just kind of like yeah they'll probably say oh yeah that other person this that that person that happened to them the other day like it was kind of like that kind of thing so it's like all that charge like pressing charges or whatever it's kind of like so what do you what do you say to the police they asked if i want to press charges and i was like no to be honest i don't It's, it's it's fine why yeah, fair enough. I I get what you're saying. It might be more normal for you, but that. But no, and then on top of that, and then on top of that, it's normalized. But then on top of that, it's like with things like that. Let's say, okay, so let's say I do press charges, I've just caused more problems for myself. How has it caused more problems? So okay, so let's say whatever, like I I press charges or whatever, it just becomes a thing of like, I've just created more enemies. They're gonna be like, oh, the, why why are you pressing charges? Obviously, no one's gonna be happy about that. Because you could potentially go to prison for something like that. Then obviously it's just anger, isn't it? People will be angry, then it's just more trouble. And for me, I'm a person that if I can avoid it, I'll rather will. I'll rather do that. I'll rather go down the peaceful path and just leave it, man. Just charge it to the to the world, to the universe. So it was more hassle than it was worth in your eyes to press charges 100 percent, 100 percent. so 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 what happens you just sort of get on with life and they get on with life and- you just get on it we just get on let's get on with it i'm not gonna lie it's something um there's something i had to as much as i let it go or whatnot uh as time went by i'll say a couple years ago really or when i was i think probably 2016 17 it's something that creeped up again and it's like oh, i had to go um like counseling and stuff because subconsciously i never knew that that happening had built this fear thing uh, fear and paranoia at the back of my head and not being able to trust people fully and stuff like that it's only when i went um counseling and therapy and stuff like that they pointed it out and i was like oh okay it makes sense why i react like this or why i react like that to certain things but now i've now I can honestly say I've I've let it go and I've dealt with it like I'm fine now and you said you couldn't move away at the time obviously because you're younger and you don't have the money and stuff but as you've as you've grown up you obviously can do you know what what is it what is it that kind of what is it that keeps you there you know you're you're still living there so oh, my, what my. is it that keeps you there okay so it's not as bad it's not as bad as it was like this area is not as as, as bad as it was before I don't think how maybe i'm maybe it's just <laughs> that i'm older but apart from those little things no apart from those those things my area is actually a, a really amazing area i love the people it's home to me isn't it it's home obviously as time goes by i'll probably move away because my mom's out she's she lives in a different area now and stuff like that but me it's home man it's just it feels like home it's what i'm used to it's what i know and the people as well the community everyone it's yeah like, i actually love this area obviously with time i will move away but 
Yeah, for now. And on top of that, there's a lot of talent around here. And the good thing, sometimes I always pick up a lot of good artists and stuff, like even writers and stuff like that. There's a good um, network of artists around there, so it's always, it's, it's cool. And on top of that, if the people had actually, when it happened, if the people that knew me had actually seen me before it happened, it would have never happened. Because it was literally one of them, the timing, wrong time, wrong place, the timing was just mad. Maybe I needed to go for it to learn something, I don't know. Would you say nowadays it's a sort of better place for a, a young black kid to live? Like like you said, you got chased on your first day of secondary school. Is is racism still that prevalent there now? No, no, not, not, not. Because the, the area where I went to school was a different, it was close, but it's a different area from where I was living. But I don't, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not as, it's not like that anymore. Things have changed, man. Things things have changed a lot, and that's what I love about everything, like especially certain parts of London. A lot of things have changed. The racism has kind of been driven out because there's more, there's more F- ethnic people and black people, and everyone's connected. And over here, it's very much like, um, especially schools near to where I live, everyone's together. There's all different types of people. And we've all grown up together and that's kind of pushed that whole racism thing out. Whereas back in the day, I don't know, when I was proper young, it was different. I don't know, it was just, it's just different. Yeah, it was just, it was a lot more. And it was, it weren't just, it weren't like quiet racism. Like back then, it was loud. Like you could be just walking around, you could be just walking to your house late night, let's say about 10, 11. And a car will drive past you, and uh, with people shouting out the N word and all this kind of stuff, like just randomly. <laughs> they don't know you. They just see a black guy and just shout out like abuse out the window for no reason. But it's changed. I have I haven't experienced anything like that in a very very long time. I think it's so it's so hard for me to imagine because I haven't experienced it. Like those years, they're your formative years. Do you know? Like that. That's what. That's how. That's what shapes how you view the world, you know, and to sort of to go through a world where you experience that it would be very easy for you to be angry at the world and angry at people. Do you know? 100%. And I'm not going to lie. There was there was times there was times there was times when I was like that. I was like that. But I that that thing, you get tired of being angry, man. And anyone that doesn't, I don't know, there's something wrong, man. <laughs> they need they need to talk to someone but you get tired and then I think I've just been blessed I've always been uh, I've always had self-awareness self-awareness and I've just always been aware of everything that's going on and then on top of that me um, living the life that I have from a young age like moving from country to country and all these kind of things it's like you meet people if it was just a thing if it was just a thing of like I lived in that area and everyone in that area was was racist that's a different situation but I've been around I know everyone's not racist it's just that it's them it's a few people it's not everyone and on top of that growing up like yo I've got Asian friends that are like my best friends I've got um, white friends I've got everything I've been around so many people I've been so many different people I've been in so many different spaces. So it's like, I think that has always helped me to not be 
angry and bitter because you learn yo man we're all different but we're the same kind of thing we're all cool man it's all cool it's just a certain like minority minority that's just a bit i don't know i don't understand racism i don't know how it works but just there's a small amount of people that are like that in it your work with in-house record is it a charity is it a foundation or is it a full just a record label in-house records is a record label is a record label for yeah it's a record record label for people that have been in prison it's like a it's like a it's like a project to help people reform when they come out of prison so it's like a record label for for prisoners run by prisoners kind of thing so we what we do or what they were doing was going to different prisons they've got it's like a course it's like a music course where you can learn you can learn how to how to dj how to rap how to produce how to song write how to play instruments and other things like how to be a good like a host like a show host and stuff like that or ma uh, learn management music management learn how to be an a r anything to do with music and entertainment so you do a course uh once you finish the course and once you finish a sentence you have a choice to join the label to either get signed or join the team um and in that way uh it helps people reform because one thing I did learn from joining them and talking to the prisoners is that they don't know no better. From so they can let's say whatever they're in there for whatever crime they 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 done. They'll a lot of them will come out in a couple of months. They do the same thing and, and go back in because they don't they, have, they haven't got nothing to do. They don't even know if they got a talent. They have some of them have got a talent, but no one's ever told them that yo like you've got something you can do something with this um and then on top of that they just don't know a better way out of the situation that they're in so what this provides is letting them know like speaking to a lot of these yo there is some proper talented people in there like crazy talented people and what was amazing what proper touched me is like the first showcase i went to i spoke to everyone i was just telling them yo like i telling them my story and tell them just tell them like yo they've got talent and the mad thing is that seeing imagine seeing someone that just looks scary just soften up because you've told them like yo like you're talented like I've, I've i'm a producer i've done this xyz and they're like raw okay what for real i'm like yeah 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 you know you can do the same thing it's just putting in the work and just homing in on your talent blah 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 and just seeing how they react to that like just a conversation it was like th there's hope i don't have to be a criminal i don't have to do things like this i don't have to do the things i was doing before i can actually i enjoy doing this and i can chase this and a lot of there's one there's one guy called a uh, super that i'm meant to have a session with he's finished his sentence he's out he's been making music i got sent music and he's amazing and do you know what's beautiful to see that he's actually you can see there's hope. He's left everything and now all he's thinking about music, 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 music. If this guy can do it, like someone like me can do it, what's stopping him from doing it? So yeah, uh, that's why that's one of the main reasons why I actually joined um the team and opened up my like my door and everything, my studio, um, to them because it can really bring a a massive change. How how, do, how does it work? Um, so it's obviously it's music made by prisoners 
does that mean that you go into prisons on a regular basis and you kind of meet with prisoners and stuff like that yeah and some of them i think uh uh some of them are like uh, they've got uh, they're in like an open prison so they can come out now and then so what they would do they'll book sessions and then i'll have sessions with them like talks or whatever like sometimes people just want to come studio and just vibe and just have a conversation and just pick my brain kind of stuff i'm always open to that stuff like that or there's times where we actually go in the prison and work with the prisoners and like bring studio equipment like i bring my laptop and my mic and stuff like that and just set up there and just work with them um for like a couple hours like every let's say every thursday we link up and we work we work we work we work uh and then at the same time like every every month or every couple months they have showcases like in different prisons so the guys will be working on music and then the music that they're making or they've made they'll perform they'll get the family and friends to come in what i've been doing is trying to encourage more of like my artist friends or all my music friends to come to just just come and just watch because for them for the prisoners it's like rah that person's there that person's there that person's there it kind of encourages them to carry on kind of thing and then at the same time trying to get some of my music friends to have conversations with them to just tell them their story and just give them advice or even things like books or things that they can listen to or read to um work on their craft and stuff like that and so it must be quite uh operation to set up a studio in a prison on a weekly basis right yeah it's it's, it's there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of security checks a lot of a lot of uh, security checks and i think the first time i done it, it took a while for everything for me to be clear so i'm able to go in and stuff like that but yeah now it's cool now but i think with uh, the guys that are heading it like vince um and the rest of uh, vince and the rest of the team I think all that kind of stuff has been suited already. And in prison, I think they've got they've got certain things like instruments and equipment and stuff like that, but the equipment ain't that great. So that's why bringing my stuff is is, is better kind of thing, better quality and stuff. And do, do you find that uh, so the, the prison authorities, are they, are they with you on this? Are they kind of like, are you fighting an uphill battle there? Okay, so some prisons are some prisons aren't so what what uh the guys are trying to do is trying to hopefully be able to get this in every prison but it's difficult not too long ago i think they hit a wall where i think there are prisons fighting against them and but then there are prisons that are with it because they can see that it's actually helping and it's actually creating change and there's actually um people that come out um, ex-prisoners that come out and then they're going to do good things even if they don't end up with the in the in-house label they're going to do their own thing um, with other people and they actually start making music or whatnot so yeah um, it's a I think uh, yeah there are people that there are prisons that are with it but then there's a lot of uh, uh, prisons fighting fighting it and just rejecting the whole idea and so what what kind of situations have you dealt with like what kind of artists have you worked with is there any sort of particular success stories what in the for from the in-house project 
Yeah, yeah. From from your sort of involvement, like what kind of what kind of artists are you dealing with? Is there any sort of stories that you yeah spring to mind? So there was a so this super guy. Why I was so blown away? Yeah. So it was like, if you if you see this guy, you just look at him and you just think, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you've definitely done something. <laughs> you've definitely done something. But he comes. So the first time I went, he comes on stage, and I remember Vince saying, yeah, "Watch this one. Watch this one." He comes on stage and I'm just thinking, oh, what's this? Is he going to rap? What's he going to do? Looking at him, you think he's just going to pick up a mic and start rapping. He sits down on, on a keyboard and starts playing. And he's playing and rapping at the same time. But it's like melodic kind of rap. But then at the same time, it's very like um, quirky. Like quirky. The song is actually amazing. The way it's written is amazing. And... He was the one act that connected with the whole place. Like the whole, he got an encore. He had to perform the tune. I was like, yo, that, you know what? I don't even know. It, it's, it's And it's nothing like, it's not anything. It doesn't sound like anything I've heard before. Like it was proper, like fresh. And that's why him, I was, I had to tell him like, yo, I don't think you understand. You've got something. Like you've got something. Not just something that's like, would be perceived as urban. Like something that can commercially, it can go. Like you've got something really good here, and the whole thing, playing keys and rapping along to it, I've never seen that before. That's, that's amazing. I mean, I'm missing how dirty that sex is. I'm G'd up and I reps it. I know nitties that Jack can inject it, then it got an infected. And now Donnie don't know where his legs is. You can say that I said this. And I'ma say that I said it, I meant it Live, laugh and don't tempt it The devil's waiting every time that you're tempted That's what I believe, there's a lot of different beliefs My sister go to the church. Who came up with that concept? Was that, did did he just sort of come to you yeah. with it? No, no, it's, 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 his, it's his thing It's his thing When I, when I met him, that's how it was, isn't it? But my thing, because I asked him like um, Like how do you, like, like tell me Like how did you start? And he's like, oh, he was in prison and then I think someone told like Vince, Vince. He went Vince because Vince was in prison. Well. So Vince is the guy. Vince is the uh, sort of the guy who started. Um, he's one of the guys. House, he's one. Of, yeah, he's he's, yeah. he's one of the guys. Okay. He's one of the guys involved. Yeah. So, um, he was in there, and he always used to like make music and rap and stuff like that. And then obviously my guy saw it, like Soup's um saw it, and then Vince used to just go around and just give encourage me like yo like. Um, I heard you rap blah 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 and then when Super was rapping he kind of encouraged him like do it do it and then after I think he couldn't get um any instrumentals or anything so he started teaching himself how to play keys and I was like that's sick now when he started I think when he started uh, learning keys he started that's when he started like songwriting and rapping and stuff like that and he just built like that and then there's another kid I totally forgot his name but he's like um he's like a young like young um white boy he just looks like the white boy from the ends, like tracksuit, all of that. He comes on, picks up. He, I think he was in he was in prison for time and he was struggling like with depression or some uh, and, and stuff. And someone gave him a guitar, and then he just spent all the time just learning guitar, and then he was rapping, and then he figured out that he sounds like Ed Sheeran, like he's got proper like he's got amazing voice. So he comes on in his tracksuit, he picks up the guitar. Everyone's looking like, oh, what's this guy gonna do? Is he gonna rap as well? Then he's 
fully starts singing like big voice like oh like what the hell's going on here then there's another one but there's a black version of him there's there's a black version oh that guy is amazing i think the last showcase we went to was the first time i see this guy but he's a uh, yeah he sings plays guitar same thing he taught himself um guitar and he now he's he's out and he's proper um what's it called he's a uh, proper pursuing music which i'm happy about and he's good i feel like within time people are gonna hear about him people are gonna hear about him. it's just it's it's really good man and with these guys i think it's really good for them to have like the in-house team letting them know that yo there's another way of getting out get getting out of the situation that you're in like you have got talent talent i think it's clear that these prisoners when they when they go to prison the reason that they that someone would reoffend is not because they want to go back to what to whatever they are it's because there's there's no choice like th- there's there's nothing else for them to do and they just slip back into it um and so by by providing people with another way yeah, opportunity yeah a, a, a opportunity to do something yeah maturity is gained by trying things do you know and and test testing the world but when you have a kid who's who hasn't gotten to try stuff you know they haven't gotten to try many things they've just fallen down a wrong path and then end up in prison they, they don't know any better do you know so what do you do when they c- come out of prison exactly exactly and i feel like you yeah you're right and i feel like um nowadays that there's there's no when i was growing up i think another thing that kept me on the straight and narrow is that there was a lot of youth clubs like where like where i'm from but now a lot of the a lot all of them are shut down so with the youth clubs you meet people you meet um you meet other people with uh, similar interests or you might meet um people that actually like older people that make music that can guide you and give you some kind of guidance if not making music there's a bunch of other things to do around the youth club there you meet other kids that are probably like playing football or so many things i've met so many uh, people at um, youth clubs that now have gone off to do all different types of things so i think it's also your the people you surround yourself with because it's not just um not having anything not having anything it's not having anyone to guide you which is kind of like what the in-house people are providing as well because even if you don't want to make the music there might be something else you're interested in there's you've got people to talk to that can kind of point you in the right direction if you have like something else you're interested in and that's another thing why it's good that it's not just like ah you can be a producer or an artist or a songwriter you can have you can do the things in the background and even doing the things in the background you learn certain skills that if you thought ah i'm done with this you can take them skills and do something else so so where where does your focus lie now i mean do you you've got your own productions um i, I presume do you produce with other artists you're obviously involved with in-house like what where where's your focus at at the moment at the moment uh my main focus at the moment is putting up music I, I don't know if you know but i've got my own label that me and my brother have been building for a while and now i think this is the first year we've got like a full team on deck we've got our first artist and for our first artist a boy called orion it's like a 
a rapper, singer, he does a bit of everything. And then I've got a producer that I've got I've got under my wing that's amazing as well, Kevin Garney. So we're kind of, I think my main focus at the moment is like building my my project, like the Blinky project, and then building Kevin Garney, bring, building Orion and the uh, Profit and Loss um, record label as a whole kind of thing. That's kind of where the focus is. And with that comes comes the in-house stuff as well. Because, yeah, they can always... Because it's basically the same thing like music. My door's always open for sessions and things like that. So, yeah, I think my, the myself, my project and the label side of things, along with the in-house stuff, is kind of like where my focus lies at the moment. And and what about touring? Obviously, coronavirus has kind of changed that. But with, with gigs, how how was the gigging side of things? How, how is it at the, for you? So, uh, the annoying thing is that for i think since 2000 and yeah two since 2017 i'd stopped gigging because i'd done the whole 2016 i was up and down up and down uk and then 2017 as well as up and down uk like frequently so i didn't have a lot of time to spend in the studio and me my favorite place is the studio like ideas but it was good for me to do the whole two years of gigging because i learned a lot even with like just being out and DJing and testing out things and playing certain songs and meeting new people, I had a bunch of ideas. So I was ready to go. So I just told like the team that, yo, I just want to stop the gig in for a bit and just focus on just building my catalog, building my catalog, building songs, even just focusing on building the, the company and stuff like that. So I hadn't gigged for a while, but this year was meant to be the year because we started building up to it. I was trying to, well, we was building up uh, to do a headline show, like my first headline show, and it was going well. I think the first week of putting out ad, we've got like a thousand people ready, um, ready, um, signed, um, si- um, signed up to the mailing list, ready for the headline show, and that was the first month. So it was like, ah, oh, yeah, January, I say January, February, then March come and boom. <laughs> done <laughs> and then i had uh, I, I got i had two bookings in i b for rocks which i was looking forward to because i've never done that before and i've never gigged outside the country and then i was meant to be i think my bear as well that got cancelled all of them got cancelled so yeah man i don't know i was really looking forward to it but now it's kind of like uh when you when i'm when Am I going to be able to get back out there? When is anyone going to be able to get back out there? What's your approach to to releasing music in terms of, is it a very calculated thing? So with releasing, obviously up until signing with Warner, releasing was just me and my brother. Like we'll just put stuff out. Obviously with uh, Don't Give Up, it was uh, Tool Room and Relentless that um, picked it up. But anything in between, it's just me and my younger brother. It's like my my brother is not just a manager. He's literally my label. Basically, he does everything. Everything you see, whatever is the pictures, the 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 little content, whatever. He he can do everything, anything to a certain level as well, to a really good level, a higher level. So it's like um, don't know. There ain't really a team, and I don't think that it's not really planned out as much 
as it should be. It's more obviously there's a structure to what we do, but most times it's just like we've got a bunch of songs. We need to get them out. Now I'm saying to Warner, so how that how's that going? That's obviously a completely different experience, right? Yeah, it it is, it is, it is. Uh, so far it's been good, man. It's been good. It's been good. I'm enjoying it, especially now. Now with this new release, because we released these two songs independently. Uh, the what you want or what you do EP that I've put out, we put out independently, and the support has been crazy. So now, obviously, this was wasn't meant to be a song that we released with Warner, but now it looks like um, they're about to get involved and they're very excited. I think this is probably going to be the first time I'm going to see the real power that they have because we've got something special now. It feels like we've got some, some something special anyway. But yeah, even before that, it's been good like putting out music because my whole thing is that I really I've got music a lot of music i make music every day so it's like there's a lot of music and in the past past years i haven't been able to release the way i wanted to because of certain situations like contracts or whatnot that were kind of stopping me for from releasing but now everything's cleared it's kind of a thing of like we're ready to go now and especially with this warner deal we're able to not just release things independently but as well as on a major scale as well so yeah now it's 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 a it's been a good uh good experience so far but i feel like it's about to get better because i've uh, on top of that i've got a new team at warner as well which is like i'm really excited about because just conversations with them it's uh our, our visions are aligning and it's getting to a point where i'm so excited because people are gonna start seeing what i'm really about because if you notice in the past years i've only dropped like one or two songs every year you know what, and, and that that's actually why that's what I meant by calculate. That's why it seems that way. Yeah, but that's that's crazy because it's crazy because it, it wasn't the whole thing of me of us releasing like how we're releasing is because there was things stopping us from doing from doing it the way we wanted to. But at the same time, it's a blessing in disguise because I'm like you said, it's not too many things out there, so people are always waiting for the next thing kind of thing, which is quite cool. And I've seen it with these songs. Because you know these songs were just meant to be like just throwaway songs. These are songs that <laughs> these are songs I've had for years. And one of them, What You Do, I posted it on my Instagram. And for the past two years, people I've just been getting non-stop comments and um DMs saying, Yo, when's this out? When's this out? So me and my brother I had to be like, oh, you know what? I think we should put these two songs out. But we just was just putting them out to just put it put them out and get ready for like um like a club season then now they're out they've caught fire and it's like yo okay <laughs> we need to wait a little bit we might have something <laughs> we might have something because with me and my brother it's like how we treat songs it's like we might love a song but no one knows what's a hit and what's not no one knows what's gonna go and what's not so our thing is like we just test it we just like all right just put it out as long as well as long for me if i think it's a sick song cool put it out see what it does but we didn't expect this at all we and we almost hadn't planned for it but it's a good thing it's a good thing now i think yeah now the good thing about this year it was more structured but with the corona and stuff like that it kind of 
stop certain things but even with that it's like a blessing in disguise man because now we've got a proper plan and i think the next year year or two is i'm excited having a having a major behind you is a, it's a different beast isn't it uh-huh this is the thing <laughs> this is the thing now yeah, yeah it's a uh, it's sick it's sick, but yeah, but it's how, how I can feel it, man. There's a, uh, it's about to, especially with the conversations and everything that's happening. Um, there's, I think now it's about to, people are really about to hear what I'm about. I'm excited. The music, man, I've been working. I'm excited for people to hear what's been going on. I'm really excited. What an unreal story and just an amazing guy. If you hadn't heard of him before this podcast, then hold tight. I really think he's gonna take off in that sort of commercial dance music space. I'd never met him before this, but we'll definitely keep in touch. After the recording, we stayed in the video call just chatting for like half an hour about music and life. That's what I love about recording this podcast. I get to meet so many new people in music. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you never miss another episode. And do get me on socials at Booth Monitor's podcast for the pod and at Gmanion underscore for me. I'll see you in the next one. Was that recording? I don't know if that was recording. Oh, for f- <laughs>